You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Today on Justice is Served, Bill Cosby's sex scandal, the accusers, the allegations, the cover-up, truth or shakedown. Ray and Janae Rice are back in the headlines. He's reinstated, but is she a battered wife making excuses? Death threats on Facebook. Now the Supreme Court decides whether it's freedom of speech or a crime. The Rams put their hands up, but was it the Ferguson prosecutor who in fact surrendered? And DUI and a parked car. That one's pretty <laughs> incredible. Welcome to Justice is Served. My name is Sarah Azari, and I'm a criminal defense attorney and legal analyst and your host today. And with me are my co-hosts, Lonnie Coombs, who is a former deputy DA and also a legal analyst. Welcome, Lonnie. Thank you. And also a warm welcome to Chelsea Galicia. Chelsea's our newest host here on the show, and I look forward to hosting many, many shows with you. Thank you so much. Um, Chelsea's uh, uh, an attorney who represents injured workers in labor disputes. She's also a political activist and a mentor to girls in the juvenile system and foster care system. So welcome, Chelsea, to the show. Thank you. So, ladies, it's great to be here with you on this rainy L.A. day. <laughs> um, let's get started on our show. Um, the case of the week. America's dad, uh, Dr. Huxtable, and uh, the guy who can do no wrong, Bill Cosby. Sometime in late October, comedian Hannibal Buress called Cosby out on um, being an alleged rapist. And this went viral, and women, about 20 women from very different walks of life, came out of the woodwork and made allegations of being drugged and sexually assaulted or raped by Bill Cosby at one point in time. These allegations date back to 1967 and as recent as 2007. However, the stories are very similar. So from a defense perspective, you know, I tried to find some relationship between these women, some collusion, something. And um, I, I don't see any so far. But but yet their stories are very similar, that somehow they get together with Bill Cosby. It's some kind of a um, career advice that they need or some mentorship. And then he drugs them and he sexually assaults them. And... Um, you know, I, I, I also, there's no book deals so far. There's no demands for money. So you have to question why, because ultimately this isn't Ben Affleck, and I, I apologize to Ben Affleck, but it's <laughs> Bill Cosby, you know? Um, and, and that's what makes these allegations so incredible in, in my mind. So, Lonnie, what do you think is going on? Because everybody loves Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. We all grew up on uh, The Cosby Show, right? And he was not just a father figure, but he also went out of his way to 
portray this paternal figure in real life too. And many of these women said that it started out that way. They were very young. They were in their late teens, early 20s, and that he came across very paternal to them. Um, and then it took this ugly turn. Now, it's not just that he was sexually aggressive with them. They all tell this story of that there were drugs involved mm-hmm. and that um, they were taken advantage of when they were under the influence of this drug. Uh, because the allegations are so old, we don't know what kind of drug it was or where he got the drug. Um, we also don't really know if there were any injuries or um, no rape kits were taken, so we don't have the proof that there was actual um, sex. So they're, they're not easy cases besides the fact that we're past the statute of limitations. Uh, three things I'd like to bring up. One, there was another article that came out just recently and I um, written by a woman who I actually met when I was on Dr. Drew's show Monday night. And she talked about how it's kind of a one-off. Her friend was dating Bill Mm -hmm. Cosby when she was in her late teens, early 20s, in a consensual, ongoing sexual relationship. And at some point, she told this friend, who was the author of the article in Salon, um, that something very upsetting happened and that she, he had given her some pills and said, take this, it'll help you relax. She took them. It knocked her out. And when she came to, she said she could tell that she'd um, had sex and that she had not consented to it, obviously. And she but didn't... she was in a dating relationship. She was in a consensual exactly, dating relationship. Exactly, which is a very interesting twist on e- even beyond what these other women have said in that she was a very, she said, uh, you know, her friend said, a very sexually... Um, Liberated. Yes, and she <laughs> And she told her friend, I would have done anything he asked me to do if he told me to pretend to be unconscious or, you know, that he wanted to take me by force. I would have gone along with that. So why do that? So Mm -hmm. why do that? So that's an interesting twist. And there's two other things that have happened just today. One is that a woman has actually filed a lawsuit. So now we're beyond just the allegations, which uh, Mr. Cosby's attorney has essentially been saying these are just allegations. They're Nobody fantastical. Take it to, right. Yeah. Ridiculous. Brush them off like They're they have in the past. You know, exactly. And he, and he also said he's a very, he's the, the go-to Hollywood lawyer. Martin Singer. Celebrities get in yeah. trouble. Martin, Martin Singer is the one yeah. to go to. But um, he also said, which I disagree with, he said these women have never come forward. And, right. all the, and you know what? With all due respect, some of them may not have, but some of them did um, try to file charges back in the day. There was insufficient Many evidence. of them have. Many yeah. of them have, which I, I, I thought, you know, Mr. Singer, you're smarter than that to r- ruin your credibility based on that alone. I mean, they have come forward. Some have tried to make reports. Some have been interviewed. In right. the media, there are there are interviews from 2005 on by a number of these women, and people have not paid attention to it. Nobody's given it any credibility. Um, and and Mr. Cosby has gone on to be a spokesperson for different right. facilities Let's and universities. Also not forget that there were 13 women who participated in a civil suit. Right, right. and none, but mm-hmm. none, except for one, they were all Jane Doe's, and they didn't give any public statements. But that one that did give her name has given a public statement. So now it's a new arena. This woman mm-hmm. is coming forward. She's suing civil. She is saying that this happened when she was a minor, when she was 15 years old, but similar to the same thing. She was given drugs, and then he took advantage of her um, sexually, had her, you know, uh, masturbate him. So that's actually a lawsuit that's pending right now. The statute of limitations allows her to bring it because she says she just realized it within the last three years of what had happened. So that's one thing. The second thing is Gloria Allred literally... 20 minutes ago, just threw her, you know, stop into the (laughs) ring. And she said that she, you know, she has three women with her um, who are victims. Um, I didn't get to that part of the press conference because we had to do Mm. this. But she said to essentially, look, um, these women came to me and said, I want to do something. But most of them are past the statute of limitations for rape. 
Bill Cosby's supporters are upset because this is all being played out in the wild, wild west of the internet. There's mm-hmm. been no courtroom to govern this and say what's admissible and what's not. So she said, Mr. Cosby, the statute of limitations is an affirmative defense. You can waive that defense, allow these victims to file their claims in court, and everybody go have their day in court. Now, Great idea. I, Great idea yeah, I don't know any lawyer that's going to sign right. up for that. I mean, the, the chances of that happening are nil. But it's a great play. It's a great play, and it'll be interesting to see if that gets a, a response from either Mr. Cosby or his attorney. So it, it's it's moving on. It's not backing off. It's not slowing down. Right. Um, and, oh, no, and I, it's not. Yeah. We'll, be talking we'll keep about you this. posted on this story. But what's also really interesting is um, Bill Cosby's response, or lack thereof, um, to these allegations. He recently was interviewed um, by the Associated Press, and the interview was not supposed to be about these allegations. It had to do something with an art exhibit. So Mr. Cosby's there with his wife, and at the end of the interview, the reporter very cleverly steered the interview um, to these allegations and asked Cosby about them. And um, I'd like for us to look briefly at his response and also to look at what he says at the end of the interview when he thinks the mic and the camera are off, but they weren't. I have to ask about your name coming up in the news recently regarding this comedian. No, no, we don't answer that. Okay. I I just wanted to ask if you wanted to respond at all about whether any of that was true. There's no response. (laughs) Can I ask you if with the, the persona that people know about Bill Cosby, should they believe anything differently about what... There is no comment about that. And, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I think you were told. I, I don't want to compromise your integrity. But, How generous. Um, we don't, I don't talk about it. As the interview wound down, Cosby then continued the conversation. The camera was still running, and Cosby and his wife were wearing lapel microphones. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. I appreciate your time. Thank now, you. Now, can I get something from you? What's that? That none of that will be shown. <laughs> I, I promised that myself, but you didn't say anything. I know I didn't say anything, but I, I'm asking your integrity that since I didn't want to say anything, but I did answer you in terms of I don't want to say anything, of what value will it have? I don't think it will. Ma'am? What'd you say? Sorry? What did you say? I don't think it has any value either. Yeah. And I would appreciate it if it was scuttled. I hear you. I, I will tell that to my editors and and, and I think that they will understand. Well, I, I think if you want to consider yourself to be serious <laughs> that it will not appear anywhere. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. And we thought, by the way, this is um, so consistent with Cosby's history um, and track record. He's done this for decades. Um, Back in 2005, he testified in a deposition uh, in a a case involving similar allegations that um, he uh, basically had the National Enquirer spike a story. 
um, and instead gave him an exclusive interview for them to do that. And 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 uh, this is according to his own testimony under oath. And then going back as far as 1989, he offered a story about his uh, daughter's drug addiction um, so that they don't publish a story about him and Sammy Davis Jr. swinging in Vegas with some some showgirls. So he's he's been busy uh, burying these stories <laughs> before they get out. So this is just so, you know, um, it's representative of his uh, his track record to me. But ultimately, I think Lonnie and, and Chelsea, we agree that, um, okay, Gloria Allred made this offer, which is completely ridiculous. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any monetary recovery at this point, um, given the age of these claims. And I don't think there's going to be any criminal prosecution of Bill Cosby. So, you know, when I think about what um, what is there to gain from just completely trashing this guy's reputation? Um, and I just think, you know, these women may want just the cathartic release of uh, the world getting to know the real Bill Cosby. You know, maybe that's the justice that that they're seeking or an apology. But that was not part of Gloria Allred's well, offer. You know, if, if you talk to sexual victims, a big part of, of their healing process is some confirmation, some affirmation that what they're saying is true. And so, uh, you know, we don't know the impact that this has had on these women all of these years. Um, but a lot of them have said that. They've said, look, all I want is an apology. And some have said they would like money also. Now, this interesting, um, the, the child molestation charge, that's civil case. Most cases, civil cases, the defendant gives testimony mm-hmm. and talks about it under oath. So, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't, it's only a preponderance of the evidence. Right. So if it's just the victim coming forward and the defendant doesn't come forward, then usually the victim wins. Right. So it'll be interesting to and see I'm if he And I'm not sure if he can uh, invoke his fifth. I mean, I don't know, given that... Well... Yeah, I mean, I, he can just not come and testify, right? right? And, right. and then, and then, essentially, you know, usually goes to the plaintiff. To the, to the plaintiff, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, this is sad. I don't think there's going to be justice for anybody, really. Right. Not the women if they really are victims, because as we've talked about, it's too late. Statute of limitations has run, meaning their deadline for filing charges or claims has run for most of them. And Bill Cosby, if his name is really being. Seen, inappropriately he'll never be able to clean up mm-hmm. uh, everything that's come out already so uh, this is a case where I don't think where justice will ever be served but we will keep you posted as the case unfolds in the upcoming weeks um, so moving on to on the docket our first case on the docket is about Ray and Janae Rice again another NFL player in the news um, and, you know, Ray Rice was, um, there, there were videos that came out about a domestic violence incident, really brutal, I think, um, involving his then-girlfriend, now-wife, Janae. And um, initially, the NFL suspended him for two games. And I think once the videos were released, they changed their mind, and they um, suspended him indefinitely. And recently, he appealed that decision and won. And so one of the questions I have, um, and Chelsea, maybe you can answer this, is was this double Jeopardy that he was um, he was exposed to um, sounds kind of unfair. And also, how did he end up winning this appeal? Yeah, so basically, you're right. That's what the uh, arbiter, who is also a judge, but in this case, she the role she played was an arbiter, did say this was like a, a, a double jeopardy, and that's why she vacated the indefinite suspension. When I first heard about this, I thought that the uh, judge was saying that the punishment didn't fit the crime, mm-hmm. that the punishment was too excessive for it. Mm-hmm. And at first, I, I was ready to be appalled. But when I mm-hmm. looked at what the actual issue was, I could understand. And the actual issue was whether Ray Rice was honest with the NFL and the commissioner, Roger Goodell, when he told them 
what happened. And he wasn't honest? Well, that's what Roger Goodell says. Mm-hmm. So Ray Rice says he was honest. Roger Goodell says, I didn't know really about how bad this was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Until the videos came out. And that's why I changed my mind. Uh, but the arbiter said, no, there's no evidence that Ray lied or misled And it's them. one thing to say, I punched her, she fell, I, I you know, left her. This <laughs> is exactly the to issue. that video. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes... <clears throat> I've seen comments that, uh, you know, maybe the judge is insinuating that Roger Goodell was the one who was lying mm-hmm. by saying that he was lied to. But the opinion actually says it's not Ray Rice's fault and it's actually not Roger Goodell's fault. It's the fault of language that words themselves cannot convey the serious nature of domestic violence. Okay, but here's my problem with that. Roger Goodell knew there was another video. Right. He knew he there was a video from inside. Right. If he understood the nature and, of domestic violence and he took it seriously, he would have said, let me see that video right. before I make any decision. Like he made a premature because, decision. Right, you can say, I punched somebody, they went down the ground. Okay, that's accurate. But until you see right. you the video, see the you don't know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking I, about. I mean, I can but, just imagine, even if he was factually correct, and, and let's say, you know, a short segment was, I pulled her out of the elevator. That might be factually correct. Right. But if you watch the video, yeah. it's more Horrific. like I dragged her yeah, near lifeless her. body. Yeah. And that brings me to another point, um, which is, uh, you know, we've seen her talk about this. Um, she was recently on the Today Show with mm-hmm. Matt Lauer. And, and as she's turned this around into... We, the unit, um, have been victimized by the NFL and we've been villainized. And, 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 and it's almost like she's forgetting that she was beat up by this man. She denies any other history of domestic violence between them. But, you know, this is very typical of um, abused women. It's These, really this is, sad. This yeah. is really sad. I, I think it sends a terrible message. I understand from to her interview victims. that yeah. she doesn't see herself as a victim or has a hard time acknowledging that she is a victim. And I don't know what in her mind could justify him doing that to her. Well, but it's very common. I it's mean, if common. you work with um, you domestic violence the guy, victims, yeah. they they minimize it, they normalize it, they want to stay with them, they love them, and in this case, there's a huge monetary incentive to stay. They've been together since high school. They have a child together, so there's all of these reasons for her to stay. And and maybe she's in fear of leaving. Yeah. We don't. We just don't know. You know where where the relationship is. Yeah. Okay, um, next on the docket is the case of Alonis versus United States, which is a case that was um, heard by the Supreme Court this last Monday. The Supreme Court was divided on this, and it's been taken under submission, and a ruling is due sometime next June. Um, interesting case. It, it, it involves death threats by Mr. Alonis on his own Facebook page, um, and his lawyer explains these death threats as, well, first of all, they're, in, they're directed to his estranged wife and law enforcement. And um, and his lawyer says, well, look, this is it's lyrical. It's artistic. It's therapeutic. He's just venting. He's pissed off. There's you know, he doesn't mean anything by this. And he, he, he really kind of makes it about his lack of intent. And the government argues, well, um, his subjective intent doesn't matter. It's about what a reasonable person, whether a reasonable person would feel threatened by this. And so um it's an interesting issue because in this day and age where we're all posting all kinds of stuff and it's almost sometimes I think even I forget that mm-hmm. this is public. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, that's dangerous. Sarah, let me put that you little know, note on your computer. This is public. <laughs> you know, it's not your diary. So, you know, we put all kinds of stuff on our social media and, and, um, so is it free speech or is it a crime? And, um, 
I liked the the just, Chief Justice um, Roberts's response, which was um, reciting the lyrics to an Eminem song. Yeah. And he said, "Wait a minute, how come that's not a crime, and we don't prosecute him, but this this is a crime?" And I think ultimately it's going to come down to whether the Supreme Court wants to um, uh, limit uh, the, the freedom of speech to this. You know, having having courts do this reasonable person test, and I don't think they're going to do that. I think what's more reasonable is to to look at the content and say, okay, was this on his page, or was it was she tagged in it, or was it on her page? Or you know, there's other ways to kind of see whether this was really personal to her, or was this more of like a venting thing on his own. Well, I think on the internet, you have to assume that the victim's going to see it one way, whether he directs it at her or not. So you know, it's interesting because the the threat um, (laughs) charges have really evolved. I remember when it first came, it was called terrorist threats. Now we took that away because... Threats, not right, threats. Yeah, because now we have actual terrorists that are, you know, really active. Um, so it's it's really evolved over the years, and now we have to extend it to the internet. And it used to be the issue of, well, do they actually have the capability? Are they standing in front of you with a weapon ready to do what they said? Mm-hmm. If not, if they're from a distance, it's on a phone, or you don't see a weapon, then maybe you don't, don't take it seriously. It exactly. Yeah. Now we're talking about things on the internet, and we're not even worried about imminent, because people actually do the stuff that they post on Facebook and the internet. Now, we've covered this story, and they actually covered it before I came in, so years ago, um, on this show. And you know, Alona's story. Yes, okay. and it was really, you know, we put a lot of favor in, hey, look, it's a rapper saying, these are my lyrics, look at Eminem, just because he's not as famous as Eminem, why right. can't he say these are my right. rap lyrics? I'm right. writing this, they're in rhyme, um, he has a little rapper name, um, but, uh, you know, and you see the justices going through it, and one says, hey, well, then anybody can sit there and threaten their ex-whoever. and Call it a song. Right, put it in r- that was rhyme. Justice Alito, I think. Yeah, yeah and, and get away with it. But I'll tell you what I think was the determining factor for the lower courts on this, and why they found this to be a crime and put them away for four years, is not only did he threaten his wife, but he threatened when an FBI agent went out to check right. on him, he threatened the FBI agent. And the reason the FBI agent went out there is because he made a threat towards a nursery school. And this was right about the Newtown shooting time. Mm-hmm. You know, he said something like, hell hath no fury, like a crazy man in a kindergarten class. The only question is, which one? And at that Awful. point, I think everybody right. said, that's Enough. it. Yeah. We're going to take you out and uh, take you out and put you in prison. Not a threat. But I do think that this is a really hard question for the Supremes because they've got to set this standard. Right. Isn't it objective intent that you and I would say, okay, I should feel threatened? Because I think we'd all feel threatened by hearing that. Right. But, do you, but do you have to also look at the guy's intent? Because I would have been felt threatened if I was Eminem's wife, too. I read those lyrics when it happened. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Why isn't somebody charged? How can he get away with saying this stuff? You know, but it was because it was Eminem, and so he didn't have the threat. Well, how right. can you say he didn't have the er, the intent? Right. How can you say he didn't have and the intent? I think intent? that's what the government yeah. argued, was that it's a different context because he's a famous rapper. And this but, which, not. which is not fair. Yeah. You can't say that. And the defense is saying that that can't fly. You have to look at least at some part at the writer's intents. I think the, the Supremes will come up with some type of hybrid between the two. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope they don't just say, oh, First Amendment free speech and, and back out of it because this it's really scary. And we see that people do make good on these threats. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up on the docket, uh, the Rams put their hands up on Sunday on the field, five uh, ball players. But was it really the prosecutor who surrendered? Um, 
The Rams players uh, took the field with their palms up in the air in the hands-up-don't-shoot gesture that the protesters have used um, in response to the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson. And St. Louis police are absolutely furious at this, um, and they've demanded an apology, which I don't think they're going to get. Um, but essentially, the players have responded, look, we want we want to show solidarity. We want, we want to show that we're a community, and um, this violence needs to stop. Fair enough, but um, one of the, one of the things, one of the reasons the police are, are um, so upset at this is that uh, their position is: look, there was a mountain of evidence that was presented to the grand jury in Ferguson, and um, they just didn't feel like it was enough to indict. So you know, you need to let this go. And um, you know, it brings me to the it, to the issue that I've had about this Ferguson case since <laughs> since a couple weeks ago when the when the news came out. Um, you know, in my experience, it's not difficult to get an indictment. That is something that is, in other words, it's more common to get an indictment than to, I've, I've never heard of a prosecutor not getting an indictment. But of course, that's in my my experience is in the federal world because we don't have indictments in uh, in state court. But yeah, we do. Well, I've never. I mean, we usually. I've have, done them. Oh, you do. I've gotten them. Yeah. Okay. Because we because <laughs> in my experience, we have preliminary hearings, which that is you after can choose between a preliminary hearing or a grand jury, just like this one. Okay. So yeah. in, in at least in because my experience, the federal level. court, I you know you, you you as a prosecutor, your job is to enforce the law and it's to present whatever evidence there is to the grand jury and. Um, you know, and and they usually come back with an indictment. So the problem I have is not the mountain of evidence; it's the quality of the evidence. And I feel that the criticism about the prosecutor in this case is that yes, he brought in these witnesses, but he really controlled their testimony. Whereas when Wilson testified, he gave him free reign to to narrate essentially how fearful he was and why he shot Brown. Um, I wasn't there, so I can only go by what I what I know um, and and I've read in the news. But you know, what? How, Lonnie? What do you think? Um, how how do you think this prosecutor influenced the outcome? And do you agree with me that that um, these witnesses were not treated the same as the favorable witnesses who would have perhaps led the jury to an indictment? We're not allowed to testify freely, as freely as Wilson was. Well, here's the interesting question, because people usually say that, you know, the grand jury will indict Abraham Sandwich because the prosecutor's putting on the evidence. There's no defense attorney allowed. And right. they say, essentially, the prosecutor only puts on witnesses favorable to themselves. However, that's not what you're supposed to do. As a prosecutor, you're supposed to put on enough of the evidence on both sides of the case so that the grand jury can make a fair decision based right. on... So you essentially have to act as the prosecutor and the defense. Mm-hmm. Now, remember in this case, the prosecutor did that. He acted as the prosecutor... And he also acted as the defense attorney. Right. So essentially, it was the defense. What the people are upset about is he seemed to act more like a defense attorney than a prosecutor. Than a prosecutor mm-hmm. in that situation. Like cross-examined these, like grilled these witnesses, right? The to other work. issue, too, is, and we talked about it briefly, he could have filed the charges himself, taken it to a preliminary hearing, right. and let a judge say, there's not enough evidence here. Right. I'm going to dump right. the case or set it on to a jury. But instead, he didn't even say him filing charges. He just put it in front of the grand jury. So, um, y- you know, I, I think that the prosecutor is trying to make it look like I'm doing everything fairly with clean hands, but it came across not Differently, looking yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and uh, last on the docket today is a new type of DUI, um, swig and vodka in a parked car. <laughs> 
A 60-year-old woman in Florida was charged with a DUI while she's sitting in a parked car, uh, I think over twice the legal limit, and her keys are in the ignition. So nothing really unusual there. But then where it gets really comical... Wait, what's not unusual? You sit in the car with the keys in the ignition after... Yeah, that happens a lot. And <laughs> okay. Yeah, it happens yeah. a lot. I mean, a lot of times people... Um, um, don't feel safe to drive and they feel like if they sit in their car, which is a big mistake because it is a DUI. Um, when, when you sit in your car, you're going to wear off the alcohol and eventually, you know, you're, you're sober and you can drive. So she's sitting in the car and then the police come over and ask her for her driver's license and she hands over a bag of chips. <laughs> uh, and so the officer is a little baffled and, and, uh, and, and she then grabs the bottle of vodka and starts swinging. So, so the real issue here is, is, um, and I bring this up because we're going to dedicate a show in January just to DUI laws in California and what to do if you are charged with them. Um, <laughs> From a defense attorney, so be ready. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have an expert here on the show telling you how to avoid a DUI and, and what to do to protect yourself. Uber, but people. Uber. Yes, Uber's the best. thank you. Yeah, Uber's thank the best. You. Let's make everybody but safe. But if you don't Uber, then you got to know what you're facing. So mm-hmm. um, so the... the um, in, in many states like Florida, when when you have access to the car and you have access to the key, um, you technically for the you you meet the element of driving under the DUI statute. I don't so, think most people knew that. I don't think I remember. No, that and in California, that's not you have the the prosecution has to be able to prove driving, and they could say, "Hey, somebody dropped me off here." I'm just sitting here, unless they can prove that the car was actually... I mean, it's a jury question. It is, but yeah. there is case law that says that if you have access to the vehicle control. and you, you have control over the vehicle, then, um, you know, you're... T- so so it yeah. becomes very technical. Where are you? Where is the key? You know, Well, the other thing, that. too, is she could have said, I started drinking after I stopped the car. Yeah, except she was so, double the limit. She, was, so I don't she know drank a lot. I mean, we don't know how long she's been sitting there. Or it was mouth alcohol. Yeah, you yeah. can go on and on and on. But, um, but do you think that... I don't know. I mean, I, part of me thinks, okay, the officer probably had enough, you know, based on her um, blood alcohol content to arrest her. But I don't know how much the the, the added, you know, bottle of vodka. Well, she didn't even drink. turn over her license. He, right, at so first, it was like a bag of chips. She was looking for it. Come on. She thought the officer <laughs> might be hungry. She has some chips while I'm looking for kind. I think <laughs> she's trying to get sober. Something. Right. She handed him something else that was yeah. clearly not her driver's license. Right. So she just, she didn't Out cooperate. And, right. you know, a lot of people in Ferguson are talking about if if you just cooperate with the police you're better off right she didn't cooperate with the police she showed that she was although really I don't know, in my experience <laughs> when you cooperate with the police you get arrested you still get arrested and they have your statement so i don't know <laughs> it depends on what you mean about cooperation but this brings us to the end of today's show um let's keep the dialogue going through the week please find us on itunes and youtube and post your comments and of course like us and um and you can also direct your feedback and and questions to all of us um directly my email which is my preferred method is sarah at azari law.com and i can also be tweeted at azari law and tweet one. me at lonnie Coombs, L-O-N-I-C-O-O-M-B-S. And I'm at Chelsea Galicia, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-G-A-L-I-C-I-A. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week right here on Justice is Served. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in.
The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.